Hello, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ethan. I have the privilege of speaking today. So I thought it would be a good idea for you, get, for you to get to know me, right? And in order to do that, you have to know what I'm passionate about. And my friends know I'm very passionate about making myself and my friends uncomfortable. And what better way to do that than some dad jokes? So today I've prepared <laughs> some dad jokes to tell you. All right, these are just a few of my favorites. Bear with me. Today, my son asked, can I have a bookmark? And I bursted into tears. 11 years old, and he still doesn't know my name is Brian. Because book, <laughs> bookmark, yeah, anyway. Next one. <laughs> that was a late reaction. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. Come on, guys, that one was funny. That one's, okay, okay. What do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. Okay, last one, it's the best. What is the, what is the least spoken language in the world? Sign language. Okay, that, that one was really good. Come on. Okay, okay. All joking aside, I am really passionate about student leadership and helping others um, follow what they are called to do and what God has called us to do, and that is ministry. Today, um, we are continuing our series called Called, and last week, who remembers what we talked about. Nobody? We are called to fellowship. There you go. There you go. Yep. And today we are talking about we are called to ministry. But first, it's important to define ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is helping others see God's goodness. Jesus showed us what it means to be God by serving others. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, and took the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, at that, a crucifixion. Jesus was born in a stable, right? Jesus was raised by a carpenter and lived a sacrificial life, his entire life. But like this verse says, Jesus knew who he was. He was the ruler of the world, right? He is the king of kings, the 
he is the God of the universe, and yet he took the status of a slave. Why do you think he did that, right? Why would the God take the status of a slave? And it sounds crazy, but the answer is simple. Serving and loving is what it means to be God. Jesus came to help others see God's goodness, and he calls us to do the same. We are broken people, but because of his goodness, we are called into ministry, into humble ministry. And that takes us to our next point. Ministry is done in humility. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How many of you have heard this verse? Yeah, it's a pretty common verse. The thought that I have to honor God, even when I'm drinking water, is pretty terrifying, right? Like, just the thought of that, I'm like, how can I be evangelizing while drinking water? Doesn't make much sense. But that isn't what God, he's saying in this verse, right? Ministry and evangelism are two different things. Ministry is the act of serving others and following God's plan for us. This verse isn't saying that we have to evangelize when drinking water, but rather it's saying we need to make the conscious choice to honor God even in the little decisions. And when you think about your decisions and the decisions you make, do they point towards the goodness of God or do they point to other things? That's what I've been asking myself. Even in the little decisions I make, whether that be at school or at church or wherever, wherever I may be, are my decisions pointing towards the goodness of God or somewhere else? Yes, this is hard to keep even the conscious thought of every little thing we do and pointing it to God but it is possible. As Christians, we have to remember to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves enough to put our confidence in God's goodness, not our own. And that only means we can't rely on our own strength because we are broken people. Raise your hand if you're perfect. <laughs> One hand goes up. Yeah, exactly. We all are broken people. And so we, have, we can't rely on ourselves. We have to rely on the goodness of God. So remember what I said earlier about it, what it means to be God. What it means to be God is to love and serve others. And this can be seen um, in the Bible in John 3, um, excuse me, 13, 3 through 5. I have to read it in my vision. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began, washing the, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So in a little context, this is happening when Jesus is going to dinner with his disciples. After a long day of serving, serving the people, right? So 
this is pretty disgusting, right? Why would Jesus wash the feet of his disciples? It doesn't make much sense. But for context, back then they didn't have great shoes. They didn't have an Adidas store, a Converse store. They didn't have famous footwear, right, to go shoe shopping. They were, at best, sandals. And their feet would have walked through miles and miles of dirt, um, thorns, sometimes even barefoot. So their feet would be covered in dirt, sweat, and often blood. So this was a very, very demeaning task to wash the feet. So right now, I would love to have my dear friend, Hunter, come up to the stage. Do you mind taking off your shoes? Oh, so excited. <laughs> it's a little toasty. My dear friend, may I wash your feet? Never done this before, so just bear with me. I mean, I washed my own feet. <laughs> so right now, do you think that this is the normal task that a king would take on himself to do? It's not rhetorical. Do you think it's a normal task? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty disgusting. Your feet are clean. Your feet aren't disgusting, Hunter. <laughs> Got it. <in> <laughs> I'll let your feet dry. That was pretty awkward. More awkward than I thought. <laughs> you may be excused. How many of you thought that was uncomfortable? Yeah, I, I, that was pretty uncomfortable. But that's why, okay, remember, this was a cultural thing. People don't do this nowadays. When uh, you go to your friend's house or you go eat dinner with your family, how many of you take off your shoes and somebody washes your feet? Yeah. I would love for you to talk about your experience. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty odd thing to think about in today's culture. But back then, like I said, their feet would be dirty after a long stay of work, right? The disciples... The disciples and Jesus walked into this dinner expecting for somebody to wash their feet. It was a normal thing, 
right? So right when they walked into the door, imagine this, here's the door. They walk into the door and they see a wash pan sitting beside, beside the door. But there was no servant. No servant to wash their feet. No servant to take the task. So the disciples decided to sit down at the table and they're like, oh, okay, right? They're probably like thinking to themselves, I'm like, well, I guess I'll eat with dirty feet, you know, sat down. And then once all of them sat down, Jesus got up and took the position and took it upon himself to get the wash pan, went on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Now, washing the feet, being the servant to wash other people's feet was the lowest of the low position. I mean, like, they had almost the equal status to a slave. It was looked down upon. It was pretty disgraceful if you were that servant washing others' feet, right? But Jesus, the king of kings, the king of the universe, decided to take it upon himself, took the wash pan, and did a pretty disgusting thing to wash their feet, right? Each of the disciples could have made that decision that each of them walked past the, the wash pan and didn't pick it up. Each of them, each and every one of them, had the same choice but chose to say no. Now, when Hunter was up here and I'm on my knees, do you think that I am at his, at his mercy, right? I'm on my knees, I am bending over and at the mercy of his feet. He could kick me in the face, right? <laughs> he could have, like, knocked me out, spat a little water on me, right? I was at his mercy. So, for God, for Jesus, a perfect man, right? The only perfect man. To get on his knees and to do such a... a cultural um, negative task was unheard of. Verses 12 through 15 says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, in this verse, it says you must go and wash others' feet, right? It's not meaning literally wash their feet, but rather take up the task, take initiative, be the one to pick up the wash pan. Be the one. Don't walk past the duty. Take, take the duty upon yourself to serve others. That leads to our next point. We, ministry is not an action. It's a lifestyle. The work Jesus gave us to do can also be called by a number of terms, right? It can be called service, can be called all types of things, but I've been referring to it as ministry. Ministry is service, plain and simple. We serve others so that, that they may see the effect Jesus has on 
his followers. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to serve others if we are just willing to seek, seek those uncomfortable situations. We want to encourage one another. Service is really hard if just one man, one person decides to um, do the uncomfortable. But when we come together and do what God calls us to do as God's family, it's a lot easier. How many of you at your school um, have ever done something for somebody else, any type of service? Yeah. Is it hard to do something for somebody else or do an act of service when you're the outcast? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was an outcast to society, but he, but he didn't care. He was, like I said, the king of kings, but he instead took the position of the low. When I was thinking about somebody in our culture who um, just amplifies um, ministry, living a life of ministry, I thought of Derek Carr. How many of you have heard of Derek Carr? Yeah, okay, so he's a pretty popular guy. For those of you who don't know, he grew up here in Fresno and played football at Fresno State and now is the quarterback of the uh, football team, the Oakland Raiders. He recently actually spoke here at North Point and encouraged fellow students um, to live a Christ-centered life. It was super cool. And then he later did this thing called um, uh, the Altar Conference at the Fresno uh, Save Mart Center. How many of you went to the youth rally he had? Yeah, okay. I thought there would be more. But yeah, it was super, super cool. Not only that, he does stuff like that all around the United States. But um, when he was signed on to the Oakland Raiders team, he immediately spoke of giving back to the Lord after he received a $125 million contract. That's a lot of money. Just when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Which at the time made him the highest paid player in the league history. At the first um, press conference um, after he signed the contract, he said, the first thing I'll do is pay my tithe. Like I've done since college. That won't change. Carr also spoke of giving offerings to the Lord. The exciting thing for me, money-wise, honestly, isn't that money is going to help, is that the money is going to help a lot of people, not only in this country, but in countries all over the world. I don't know about you, but if I just signed a $125 million contract, my mind would like instantly go, oh my goodness, I'm going to do amazing things in other countries. I, I can use this money, and I'm going to go tithe to my church. If, if you were given $125 million, right, would your mind instantly go to how you can further God's kingdom? And when I thought, asked myself that question, I had to think about it honestly. I said no. But like I said before, ministry is making those decisions, even the small decisions, to point others towards the goodness of God. And that is exactly 
what Derek was doing in this circumstance. He was pointing others towards God's goodness. Living a life of ministry is choosing to do this. It isn't always easy. In fact, it's often hard. And we have to remember to seek the Holy Spirit and ask God for help because we can't do it on our own. Acts 20.24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I am only, I only aim, my only aim, excuse me, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So in reference, Paul is saying this. Paul is saying the, the race of life, the race of life, my only aim through this race of life is to point others towards the goodness of God. I want to be like that. When I wake up in the morning, I want my thought to instantly go to, how am I going to live this day to, to point others towards Christ? How am I going to be the example at school and bring ministry into my sports team? How, what am I going to do to make it intentional? Someone's eternal, excuse me, someone's eternity can be changed by the small decisions we make. Are you going to pick up that wash pan or are you going to walk right past it? And either let somebody else pick it up or let it be avoided. Are you going to make that decision to be intentional and bring ministry wherever you go? Because ministry is a lifestyle. We can do this through a variety of ways. It doesn't only have to uh, be through our actions. Excuse me. It doesn't only have to be through our school, through the words we say, but it can also be getting plugged in like here in church. We can go serve the preschoolers. We can go um, serve on the um, ushers' teams. I don't know the technical term, but carrying the little baskets for offering. We can um, see these pens on the chairs. We can be the ones who get here early and put the pens on the chairs. Those small decisions are pointing others towards Christ. We didn't have those. We couldn't, um, a lot of People wouldn't have the connection cards and be able to get plugged in. They wouldn't be able to have their prayer requests answered by the people here at church. Every small decision has a big, there's a bigger picture to it, right? And are we going to make our small decisions point to the goodness of God? So I challenge you throughout this, these next couple weeks to make that decision and Remember to do it in humility. And remember, it's not the action, but it's a lifestyle. It's the action, it's the lifestyle of waking up every day thinking and having a willing heart to serve God and serve others. With that, I would love to pray us out. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and 
um, speak. And um, I'm so humbled because I am so broken, and yet you have given me the opportunity to stand up here and uh, speak to, to your children. Lord, I pray that every day we would just be um, filled with your Holy Spirit and be willing to say yes and pick up that wash pan. Whatever that wash pan may be, help us to recognize, recognize the small decisions and say yes. Lord, I pray in small group we would just um, not, not hold back and just be vulnerable and be truthful, Lord. I pray that we would be willing to grow and make the decisions that we need to make. And I pray this in your name. Amen.